Hi friends, my name is Sasha and I'm Mia and this is the Drawing Club podcast. A weekly show where we chat about art, creativity, life and my cats and all of this while drawing a new illustration every week. And you can draw with us. If you do, please share your creations on social media and tag us in your posts. Welcome to the club, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome. And today we have a guest, <laughs> a very special guest, uh, my friend and our, now our friend, yes. <laughs> Xenia. Welcome, Xenia. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> Do you want to introduce yourself a little? Uh, well, um, my name is Xenia and I'm an artist in fashion and fashion design. Yes. <laughs> Yay. That's so cool. Yeah, uh, Xenia is like, has been my friend for years. <laughs> We've been trying to like remember. And I recently kind of got to know you better when we visited Amsterdam together and stayed at your place. So that was super nice. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and your friends remember the story of me and I being in Amsterdam, yeah. I think we told you. so. Yeah, like early yeah, this Xenia. year before the pandemic hit. Yeah, so Xenia was the friend we were staying with. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so should we first talk about what we're drawing? Sure. Uh, Mia, what are you drawing today? I'm drawing this uh, ghost Halloween costume. <laughs> and I'm uh, painting with my watercolors. As I, I've been doing that all the time now, pretty much. Yeah. How about... Yeah. Xenia, what about you? What are you drawing? Well, I usually always draw lines and then I get people from there. So I never know beforehand what I'm going to draw. But I know it's going to be a person. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So are you drawing like with the... What are you using? I'm using just a pencil. Mm. And paper I usually I digitalize my drawings at a later point because I really love working with paper yeah yeah uh, I'm I'm actually for the first time on this podcast I'm using iPad mm. <laughs> like in in usually in my practice I use uh, iPad more but in the podcast I'm trying to force myself to use physical materials but today I'm <laughs> My morning was a little slow and I was like, I don't know, I don't feel like getting out my paints or markers or anything. And also, yeah, I've been recently <clears throat> mostly drawing for tattoo designs. So now I found one of my older illustrations that I really like and I'm gonna try to turn it into a tattoo sketch. Oh, exciting. <laughs> Your first tattoo on a person was actually in Amsterdam at my place. Yes, yeah. That's true. Yeah. I'm really proud of this fact. <laughs> yeah, and actually Xenia gave me her uh, tat like hand poke kit. Oh, it was your kit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really proud of the fact that I had something to do yes. <laughs> with you moving yeah. to the stage. <laughs> yeah, you kickstarted my <laughs> my tattooing career. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, or like you were one of the people who did. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. 
So next segment <laughs> uh, is what we want to share with the club today. So I don't know, Xenia, do you want to start? I can start. Well, as I just uh, told you, I guess, a little bit before, I've been reading a lot about snoring and its effect on the health of a person because I've been snoring terribly and my partner just can't handle it anymore. <laughs> so I uh, was quite surprised to find out that it's not just a quirk or something that you kind of just just not just an annoying habit mm -hmm. <laughs> or something snoring is something you can't control and there are ways to help it but it's a really important health issue and if you're snore you have to go and see your doctor mm. so I think it's very important to get that out there oh yeah that's good mm. yeah yeah I didn't know that I snore and my partner snores mm. And I never thought to talk to a doctor about it. Well, now you do. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, same. I've never thought of it because it's so common. I kind of never realized that. Yeah, I guess it can be like an indication of some health issue. Is that what you mean? Or kind of that it should be checked to see what it causes it? Yeah, it can be an indication of a health issue or it can also cause health mm. issues. Especially if it's loud snoring, it just doesn't affect you. It also affects uh, people that you sleep mm. with because uh, the loud noise actually has some effect on our brain while we're trying to sleep. Mm. So it's not healthy. But also it could mean that when you snore you don't get enough oxygen and you actually don't get rest as much as your body needs. So you sleep, you sleep and you sleep, but you're still tired because oh. you don't get enough oxygen. Ooh. Okay, that's good to okay. know. Yeah. So Sasha, you should also <laughs> go to the doctor. <laughs> yeah, I should, because I do sleep and sleep and sleep and I'm still tired. <laughs> so it could be the snoring too. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Thanks for sharing. That's yeah. very helpful advice. Yeah, true. Mia, what do you want to share with the club? Well, I have something to share that is also about you because the highlight of this past week was definitely the fact that you gave me a tattoo. <laughs> I finally got a tattoo yes. from you. I'm so excited. Like, I can't stop admiring it I I just keep looking at it all the time like yeah I just had to look at it now when I was talking about it because I'm I'm so like it's so beautiful and this has been a long time coming because actually when we were in Amsterdam you had drawn this design and you showed it to me and I got like super emotional and I think I yeah like I got teary-eyed when I looked at it I was like this is just so beautiful like I have to have this but then, yeah, Corona happened, and you only now started doing the tattoos, but now we finally found the perfect time to do it, and I couldn't be happier. I'm so pleased with it. Yeah. Yeah, I was, like, um, suspecting that, <laughs> that that would be your, <laughs> your thing you want to share. Yeah. yeah, I was, like, so happy to finally do it, because, yeah, that was, like, the first tattoo design that was, like, I mean, I've been drawing these tattoo designs for a while, like, 
before I even knew that I was gonna like when I was gonna tattoo on people mm. but I was already like planning yeah and that was like the first one that got <laughs> uh, booked because yeah. <laughs> you had such a strong reaction to it it was so cute yeah I did yeah. I connected really it happy with it immediately <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah uh, those of you listening like you can go see it on mine and probably Mia's Instagram. Yeah, I want to post um, it soon too. <laughs> yes, so it's there. But yeah, I the thing I want to share is also like tattoo related. And <laughs> yeah, because <clears throat> that has been like taking over my life these days. <laughs> That's all I can think of. I'm so excited. Yeah. But yeah, <clears throat> after after I tattooed Mia, like um Ahma who has been teaching me was also there and they said that they think like I'm ready to start taking proper clients and start charging like almost proper prices and yeah. it, it sounded so scary to me but also I was like are you sure like, <laughs> yeah because yeah I, I wanted to like um tattoo more friends still and like and maybe like take a little bit higher prices and stuff but Ahma was like, you're ready, just just do it, just like, you can already just take, like, proper clients. So, wow. yeah, so yesterday I made this big, like, post opening up, like, four spots, and I had to, like, put kind of, I mean, still discounted, but, like, actual prices, because before I was just charging for materials, so, like, <laughs> it was so scary, but of course it really helped me that Ahma, like, really encouraged me. So, yeah. yeah, I put it out there and all four spots got booked in one day. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, and, like, yeah, people seem really excited. I'm, yeah, it's just so nice. Like, this whole new thing that I'm doing I'm really enjoying it and I'm really happy that people are enjoying it too yeah I'm so happy for you <laughs> thank you but yeah so let's move on to Xenia yeah. <laughs> and your story so Xenia is an amazing fashion professional <laughs> And yeah, I've, I've we've been wanting to like talk to you on this podcast for a while because mm. yeah, it's really interesting. All of all of the things you do are so interesting and so creative, and <laughs> we think you have a lot to share with people. So, do you wanna like tell us a bit about your studies? Because uh, that's I guess what you've been doing for the past years. Well, for me, it was a really long uh, journey to come to study fashion because for a really long time I was in denial of my creativity <laughs> and trying to do very different things, kind of learning to be a pro uh, like a developer and an engineer and finally coming to terms with the creative side and my creative ambition <laughs> so around five years ago I've uh, applied to study at uh, Amsterdam Fashion Institute 
and then surprisingly for myself I got accepted and suddenly I moved to Amsterdam and my life got turned upside down. So it was a really valuable experience that was interrupted because of the pandemic and I had to come back home to Helsinki to my family just for for a few months to survive the lockdown but then I ended up staying here because well reasons <laughs> <laughs> we've all experienced this year I think in 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 one way or another so uh, Amsterdam Fashion Institute is one of the m more technical schools uh, and it's quite strict in the way it likes things done. I was quite uh, fortunate to study there but it's a really uh, difficult and challenging thing to do. Uh, the dropout rate is really high and the pressure as in most fashion schools is very intense. Hmm. I've also participated in the honors design program as part of my studies and I was able to complete that. Um, so that's basically as far as my background in fashion studies goes but I also worked as a fashion designer at a few companies uh, worked and interned as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So do you want to like uh, maybe talk about like your work also? Like what's your experience working with like designing things? <laughs> <laughs> Products and fashion? Well, I started designing uh, quite suddenly. <laughs> by before I started uh, start, started studying fashion, uh, me and my friend we suddenly decided to open a company, and we were designing uh, colorful patterns that we printed on all kinds of things, uh, including textile. And basically, at one point, I had an idea of making a dress. And I ha had to start figuring out how to make a dress. And from there on I understood that kind of I was always blind to the fact that fashion was always my interest mm. and my passion. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> passion. <laughs> passion. <laughs> so basically my whole experience with designing stuff had been more of a emotional journey of getting to know myself and accepting myself and finding out who I am Aww. and the way I do it is through other people so I'm highly prone to reflection and self-reflection and I'm I have my empathy is quite developed so anytime I need to design something, I just look around and I try to understand what are people feeling and what people need and what story I can tell in order to address that. Mm. So my designs are not particularly practical. 
they're more um, into uh, statement pieces that are aimed at provoking an emotional response that leads to a, some kind of thought process on behalf of the viewer. Yeah, that's so cool. Like when we were in Amsterdam, you were sharing some of your collections, like showing the work that goes into them and the finished pieces. You even had some pieces, but also like from photos. And it was so intriguing to me because I've never seen, like that was my first kind of time seeing the process that creating a fashion like collection can be. It was so like, I don't know. Your work is like so cool and weird and just I'm like I'm a really big fan <laughs> oh thank you it was it was a very speci special moment for me to share that with you because also um, usually we share that among um, colleagues and for me it's a big struggle to get my work out there and share it with the world, even though that's the thing I want to do the most, even though it's the thing that kind of drives the process. Uh, it's just a really big struggle to try and communicate. So basically, you get to know your work so well that you don't understand how to present it in a way that people would feel what you intend with it and you start questioning if that's even necessary because I mean a painting doesn't come with a lot of explanation unless you search for it so for me I think the biggest uh, challenge still at this point is to learn how to show my work to the world yeah that can be like really mm -hmm. scary. I remember when I was only thinking about it, like I was like I was waiting for a long time to kind of feel ready, like in quotation marks to do that. But there's not going to be a time when you feel ready. I, I found that I just had to like force myself and then it got easier by just doing it. So I guess we need to try and force you <laughs> to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a great yeah. start. Now you're sharing like about your work, at least. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I was also on, even thinking like if you if you wouldn't mind like sharing some photos of your work that we could put on our Instagram, on our like podcast yeah. Instagram. Yeah, because I'd I, love that. Yeah, because yes. now we're talking about it, and I'm thinking like the listeners might be interested to see what what it is we're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I like I love your approach to like fashion pieces as like these kind of pieces of art, like mm. like your work. Yeah, is like as you said, it's not necessarily practical, and like I I like it's so interesting to then see how like because uh, when you were showing us your um, like your sketchbooks or what are they called like these project. Books process, books, process books, yeah, like it's so interesting to see the process and how you put so much like into those pieces uh, that is like, because uh, we all consume fashion as this, 
I mean, yes, it is like self-expression, but also it's like these very practical items. So you don't ever, because when you look at a painting on the wall or like in a sculpture in a museum, you do often think like, oh, what did the artist like? What were they inspired by? What did they, like, what was their thought process or anything? But when you see like a piece of clothing, mm. you don't necessarily think that. You think kind of what it's going to look on me is is this like trendy or like is this my style or something you don't necessarily think what did the person like what were they inspired by or like something so like seeing that is like so so interesting that and and like that makes you think how much thought there is behind like a lot of different things that are not just like seen as art but like in in regular life they're just seen as like objects we use but they all can be art or like or they all can be made with like different kinds of process not necessarily just function but i think that's the one of the most fascinating things about fashion and things and in, in, in general because when i started learning fashion i was finally able to see that the way I approach things, like any item in life, is actually quite similar to how I express myself. So, for example, when I choose anything, like any object at all, no matter how small or one could say unimportant it is, for example, I don't know, a toothbrush or something something that I, like a napkin, I always choose something, I always really look at things and I choose the one that I think has something in it. And basically everything we use as, as humans outside of uh, not man-made things, so everything man-made that we use was actually designed at some point. Mm -hmm. Uh, and all of the things created have some kind of process behind it. And I think one of the most fascinating things of studying fashion is was to understand that we don't... When you don't communicate this pro uh, process, you do, when you don't document it, you don't necessarily even notice it because it might happen so automatically in your head. But any process is a lot about making connections and noticing things and analyzing things. It's just that your brain usually does it so fast that you don't stop to think about it. Mm. But when you stop to think about it, when you take notes, and even though sometimes it feels like stupid and it's like, oh my God, can I swear? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my God, fuck off. I can just make a dress. <laughs> be done with it I don't need to analyze and make 50 drawings and think about it too hard but actually yes you can make a great dress just like that and you can also really take time and analyze and look at lots of things and by kind of forcing yourself a little bit into this mode of observation you are able to learn so much more about yourself, about the world, 
and about things and I don't say necessarily like do lots of research into books and history of an object like history of a corset like 19th century 18th century 17th century no just basically taking a leaf out of the ground and looking at all of the shapes and the hues and in details looking what can you do with the leaf can I cover it with paint can I dip it into mud? Can I bend it? Can I burn it? Can I bake it? Can I... You can do so much stuff and the most important part of this process is exploration mm -hmm. and I think that's a part that a lot of creators, especially in fashion, uh, kind of forget about because it's so much result-oriented as most things in capitalist society Word. but uh, you always have to <laughs> yeah <laughs> you have to be productive this has to mean something uh, it has to get me results but the results in terms of understanding something better or just feeding your imagination or just being in the process are underestimated but those are exactly the things that will get you to the final result. I love that so much and I I love how it sounds like playing almost like this really curious and kind of childlike mindset that you just kind of take something that like a lot of people and maybe like you in like everyday circumstances would just kind of pass by and not even pay attention to but you take it and you just try to look at it with like new eyes and just like play around with it. I, I love that so much. That sounds so inspiring and it's also something that I don't think I like in my creative process with illustration I don't really take the time to do that and I, I feel like I should like that sounds so much fun and like so enriching just for life itself to get these experiences of just playing around creatively I love that <laughs> yeah but we really don't play that much as adults. I mean, of course we play like video games or board games, but just fucking around, we never do that. Like, yeah. <laughs> as a child, you can take, I don't know, something and just, like George Carlin said, like, take a stick and poke, poke it around, like, just put it in the ground, just, I don't know, just walk around. <laughs> And we don't do that a lot because we're really concentrated on the results mm. and the productivity. But in terms of being productive, the more in, like the more you enjoy the process, the more productive you're gonna be, and the more valuable the results are going to be. And again, it all comes down to this myth of the artist that has to suffer. And I've done my fair share of suffering. And it kind of just end up here to realize that, yeah, sometimes you suffer, but you don't have to. You can be creative without the suffering. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I, I love that also. I've been like thinking about that also a lot. Like I've... Um, like heard several times even like some of these like ideas about like I remember I was at this lecture about some like 
actually like in the university there were these lectures about like Russian subculture movements and it's this like pretty famous uh, writer who writes about a lot of like Russian music and stuff and it was really interesting but then he's like a lot of his uh, position was like the best music is only created uh, like in times of like crisis or like when something is really bad so it's like so the music from like this era is like really good because like the political situation is horrible people were suffering so like really good songs came out of there and nowadays it's kind of blah and in these like on the west people are so rich none of this music is good. like like this kind of like you have to suffer to create good art mm. like i hate it yeah like <laughs> And I mean, of course, I understand that when people suffer and when they put that to art, it can be like healthy also to like process your trauma. And also, yes, sometimes like really good art comes out of that because also other people can relate. And it's like it is a beautiful way to like express your pain in art. But I don't think like people have to like suffer to create beautiful art. That's such a horrible and toxic uh, idea. Yeah. Absolutely. And I noticed that, for example, in fashion schools, they kind of create a condition, extreme condition for you to like you either break or you make it. And of course, it does give results. But have anybody ever tried to create conditions when it's just fine? And you very like you just thrive and see if it might bring better results yeah. a lot. And <laughs> of course, the, the when the stakes are high and you work like eighty or hundred hours a week, uh, you really <laughs> you really learn something about yourself. But I also found out um, since I uh, I have a bipolar disorder, and for me the experience in the fashion school because I wasn't diagnosed before I went to fashion school was quite extreme even though it is already extreme as it is and um, bipolar disorder is kind of a, it's a continuation of episodes of very depressive states and very like manic inspirational states where you feel like God and everything's great so basically fashion as an industry you have to be manic all the time because wow. otherwise you can't handle it and uh, for me I was willing to die for fashion I was like yes every piece I make could be my last one it could be my last one so I have to know that if I die tomorrow I did my best and then I have was forced uh, due to my health to take a break and I've realized after a while, after I recovered, after I was also diagnosed with PTSD due to fashion school, <laughs> I was like a year, a year and a half, and I realized that among my fashion studies, which were great, I mean, it was a very valuable experience again and again and again. I would recommend to do it in a very healthy way, but I have no regrets. Of course, I would prefer to not suffer as much, but I tend to not to regret things in life in general. So I just accept this experience as it is. But the most valuable part turned out to be the time when I was just left alone to reflect, to sit on the couch and just process what happened and understand things and what are the lessons. And 
kind of this process started a few years ago, then I came back to school and I took a more theoretical classes uh, because um, I also got some chance to read and process because the prob um, we make two collections uh, in an academic year, so one per mm -hmm. semester, it's quite intense. And you don't get much time to think about stuff as much as you'd like to. So when I got the chance to think about stuff, I've realized that I'm much more content, happy and creative when I'm not forced to run all the time like somebody's chasing me with an axe. <laughs> Who would know? <laughs> Who would have known? It's a very... <laughs> Very Halloweeny <laughs> reference. Right yeah, perfect. <laughs> oh my god, that sounds so like, yeah. Your experience with fashion school sounds so intense. Like, uh, I can't imagine how. Yeah, it just sounds like a lot and like really difficult. Uh, so congrats on making it like through that. I guess. Thank you. <laughs> But yeah, also like to return to something you were talking about earlier, like this, like having this time and space to kind of just play around creatively and, and kind of, yeah, like I hate that our society, our capitalist society, like, like everything has to be so fast paced. There's no time, like it's hard to find time or have time for this because this kind of free playing because you have to be productive all the time and I don't think you can be super creative if you have this pressure all the time and this like very time and goal oriented thinking which is so hard to escape because we have to like think about money all the time and we have to think about like so it's it's so special to have that but also like yeah I need to figure out like a way <laughs> to incorporate that, but still somehow exist in this society. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, the, the money aspect is, uh, is, is terrible. Because <laughs> uh, also during my gap year, when I was uh, had to leave my studies due to my health condition, of course, I couldn't just sit down and reflect. I had to find work because I had to uh, sustain myself I had to pay the bills so that was the time when I did a couple of very low paid internships uh, basically in fashion it's customary not to pay interns at all and I was fortunate to find a more paying positions which was like just like 400 a month or 200 a month tops and I was considered lucky because it was more than none, even though in Amsterdam it doesn't cover one-sixth of the rent price. Wow, and was it like a full-time position at the same time? A full-time, oh yes. Wow. Yes, it was a full-time and you expected basically to do work. You learn hands-on, even though you're technically just supposed to learn, but you you do stuff because they're too busy to teach you and 
it's it's a terrible culture of uh, abusing students for the time also during this time i had to work on weekends uh in a store to kind of make my ends meet but it was still more chill than fashion school i must say wow. <laughs> and uh, it it was an interesting experience to see how actually the industry is different from what we taught at the fashion school because in in the industry the pace is even faster than at school but of course you have more people on the team so in school you are alone and you have to produce you have to develop you have to like everything for a photo shoot to uh, organizing the show is basically on your on your shoulders but when you're in the company of course there are different people responsible for different things but still there's no place for creativity because fashion is getting cheaper companies are trying to make bigger profits and even designers are paid less and we don't get trips inspirational trips that are needed to find new stuff so basically what the inspirational trips had come down to in most cases is that you go to a local store you look at what other designers have done you buy garments you take these garments back to the office you switch around a few seams you apply your own textile and it's good to go wow so creative you, yeah and you can see how soul crushing it is for the creativity of the people who work there and i've seen people really struggling and try to make something happen but it sometimes it happens sometimes you get uh three or four very special garments in a collection that were actually developed from scratch for example i've worked in one company that had a ginormous archive of technical and all kinds of workwear and like everything from spacesuits to gardening uniforms and it was their own archive and they developed a lot of designs from that so it's basically a lot of research and looking into something and processing something but most companies they just buy um, garments and they copy and copy and copy because at that pace you can't do much. Yeah. But behind every process, even a simplified process like that, where you are in a really tight frame, there is always a certain amount of the research of the what's called zeitgeist. So the current world, the situation, because even the textiles, the colors, even if you take a pair of trousers like you can make a lot of variations of a pair of trousers it will still be a pair of trousers and you the choice of length the closures the fastenings everything from buttons to the textile that you use usually it comes from a zeitgeist from the current situation so for example if we're facing a global warming and the weather is going to be terrible and there will be a storm and extreme weather conditions. Uh, 
the designers usually know it a little bit beforehand because you track the news, you read, you look at everything and you try to predict the needs of people. So there will be a lot of textiles that is water repellent. There will be a lot of jackets, technical jackets that protect you. There will be a lot of garments that are underneath the jacket that are soft, that are comforting because you kind of try and predict what people are going to want in these conditions. Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds really cool because, yeah, you don't really think about it like when you like when you need something, you're like, I need something warm and you go and everything warm is already there. <laughs> But yeah, like somebody needed to know that we need to make something warm. True. Yeah, that, that that's really. Cool. But uh, at the same time, like in in school, we do that process ourselves. But the companies they buy uh, specific packa packages from a trend research company mm. that does this whole research mm -hmm. for them. And when you start with the collection, you have your research into zeitgeist. Usually that contains the ideas and the colors. And then you build from there what you want to say within those lines, mm -hmm. I would say. And what I think is the most interesting part is actually, like with the leaf, you take something very ordinary and you look at it really carefully so your inspiration and the information come come from whatever you look at for example what's trending on instagram and of course it is trending right now but the reaction in the comments if you analyze that it could reflect what people actually think about it and what they want and then you draw a line from like, okay, people are unhappy with something. They don't like this. And if you look at some research in psychology, and if you look at the news, and if you look at the stock market, <laughs> and then you make a connection between that, you get what's gonna happen in two years. Oh my God. <laughs> Of course, if it's not if it's not coronavirus, then you you don't you don't predict that. Oh wow, that sounds so. Yeah, it's so far removed from anything that I'm familiar with. Like this whole kind of like what is going on in the world kind of thing. And but then, even when you're like when you're creating a specific thing like a garment, but you yeah like take everything into account. Like the only thing that I have done that's like not really similar but in any way is kind of market research maybe in quotations is that I sometimes do this on Instagram where I just ask my followers like if they have ideas they would like to see as products so I kind of see what my like people who enjoy what I do I just ask them what would they like to see and then I get some ideas and then I'll think about what could work for me but that's like a very that's only in the very specific thing of what I'm actually wanting to create. I just ask about that. I don't think I've ever like kind of looked at it in such a broad perspective. That's so interesting. 
that is like that is a very beautiful concept of co-creation in a way because you kind of create with mm -hmm. other people and uh i love that right now even though social media has a lot of negative sides this is one of the very positive sides that you can actually communicate and you're not alone in a way in your creation mm -hmm. but i think with with developing a product, there is a lot of trying to predict what people don't know yet. Mm. So you you get it wrong a lot of times, but when you get it right, you get it really right. Mm. And for me, uh, one of my most loved collections that I did and it's actually the one that I shared with you in Amsterdam it was about um, emotional vulnerability and emotional so I call it exhibitionism and emotional activism it's when people showcase their somebody showcases their emotions more openly in order to make other people more comfortable with their emotions and in that way change the world for the better and make people more trusting and more open and more communicative with each other. And this is kind of also based on research of how I see people feeling around me, but it's not what they necessarily want, it's what I feel is lacking. So it's kind of is feeling a gap but it's not like, okay, there is uh, no, this gadget is very much needed because there's a gap on the market. No, I see a gap in uh, society, mm -hmm. kind of, and it's not like it's something that doesn't exist, it's something that has a potential to exist. And I try to address that. So in a way, it's the same research so i was researching into articles into blog posts and when people actually share something in the moments of authentic vulnerability even though right now everything is very created is really kind of you have to project a certain image of yourself but underneath this there is sincerity because we are projecting how we want to be seen and there's something vulnerable about it mm. at the same time because it's you can look at it as something really naive and not something sinister mm. and it's the way you interpret these things and it's the way that makes your designs or your product unique is your interpretation of it it's not how deep you research necessarily it's not how well you researched because you can get a lot with your interpretation, but it's very important to pay attention, always to pay attention to the world around you. That's so beautiful. Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> okay, yeah, this is amazing. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, before we move to the question of the week, I still wanted to like ask you maybe because I think like a lot of our listeners are like also illustrators or maybe they like crochet or knit or like do something and they do sell products or they want to sell products but of course yeah a lot of them like me and I like we have zero background and like 
design <laughs> and stuff like that. But yeah, but like everything you've already shared, I think is like very good ideas to think about. But I would say like maybe if you have any advice for people who yeah don't have like all the resources that all the co all these companies do or like don't have all this time to like focus on product uh, design because they also do client work and they also do this and this but they do want um, to still make products and sell products that are maybe not useless but something that is like new and nice like. I don't know, is there maybe something like basic or something they can start with or something they might not know yet that you think could be useful for them to know? Like somewhere to start with when you don't have all the resources, but still, if you want to improve your designing your collections or designing your products. I I think it's a... It's, it's like, it's, it's a very big question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I think in in the nutshell, no matter how much resources you have or how much time you have, it's like a good idea or a good product lies somewhere between something very personal and something shared. Mm. Because we're all human and that's a huge advantage. Uh, that means that we have a lot in common already with, with, with the rest of the world. And if you take something very personal, something that you are comfortable with sharing, but maybe just a little bit like that it's personal enough that you're just a little bit scared and you find within this personal an intersection with something that we all share and you move on from there it will definitely be needed and will resonate because in our time when everything is so curated again and everything is so augmented I would say <laughs> you <laughs> a true Vulnerability, true authenticity, is uh, something that each of us can bring to the table, no matter what kind of scale we are creating on. Wow. So if you have a story or you have an object with a story that is very personal to you, you can move on from there because you already know this pro 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 object or a story pretty well but if you look at it with the eyes of somebody else it's a good exercise to practice self-knowledge compassion and creativity i think yeah i love this this is so beautiful I, like your whole kind of creative philosophy if you could call it that it's it's so beautiful thank you so much for sharing it with us i feel like this is like the perfect Perfect, uh, like end note. Practice compassion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it like make I I am already like looking forward to re-listening to this podcast and like taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like thinking of like how I'm gonna like I don't know do things and like think about my art and maybe like try some new things. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. like approaching it somehow a bit. 
differently. Yeah, I feel so inspired by this talk. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. I'm really glad to be here and I'm really glad that I can share some of it finally. Yeah. Coming. Yeah, you have a lot to share, I think. Yes. <laughs> yes, you should share more if you want to. <laughs> yes. I'm always up for sharing. Yes. Sharing is caring. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Okay, should we But okay. Uh yes. Yes. Should we go for uh, the Mia, you have the question, right? Yes, I have the question. Yes. So I am um, Snuggles has sent us a question. What self-care practices do you do regularly? Xenia, do you want to share some of yours? Mm. I do a lot of self-care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, basically, actually recently, I've been reflecting on some of the life changes that happened to me uh, due to pandemic. And I've realized, because for me, it was a really long term struggle with being um, bipolar and being like as a, as a teenager I always felt weird and I always felt like an outsider I always felt like I don't feel into life and especially later when I started working within fashion etc I just couldn't handle the capitalist reality because I wanted to create and with my mental health, it's really hard to keep up with the intense pace of capitalist world and success. And at one point, I finally realized that I don't have to break myself to fit into the world, that I can build the world around me to fit me. And of course, there are always bigger grievances into the world, and there are a lot of injustice and terrible things. but we all deserve to create a life for ourselves that fits us within our possibilities. And right now I'm working in the kitchen and I'm doing my creative work three days a week when I'm not working in the kitchen. And I've realized that even though I'm not pursuing my I don't know, 20-year-old dreams of living in Paris and working for fashion companies. It's not because I failed, but those because those are not the dreams that I had authentic to myself. And I've just realized that everything in my day is self-care. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I basically try to find something enjoyable in everything that I do through being mindful about it and looking at it through a perspective that could benefit me and help me grow and feel better. That sounds so beautiful and I like I got tears in my eyes when you were saying that <laughs> all of us like deserve to have this I don't know. Oh, that was so beautiful. It like really resonated <laughs> with me. Thank you so much for that. Mm. I think I needed to. <laughs> Hear it, I think. <laughs> Thank you for saying this. I don't even know like what to say after that because that was so <laughs> profound and beautiful. 
<laughs> yes, but I mean, I love like, especially like we spent the whole month of February, like or like not the whole month, but like several weeks of February with together with you with Xenia, and I love like how, like self care is like this whole like one whole th- like it's like your hobby like this big thing that you really like you 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 love talking about it like this thing relaxes me i do this i need to buy this so i can do this and like all all these like uh, like you you approach it so seriously mm. so it's not just like oh when i have time i'm going to chill and watch tv or like uh, or, or 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 like once a year we do this thing with my girlfriends we put on masks and stuff which i mean all of those things are really nice but it's not like this one off mm-hmm. thing it's like it it's this part of my life that i do and i need to research and i need to put time for it i need to have space for it i need to have like uh, things that i need for it i need to like have a schedule with this time we go here and we relax in a sauna together <laughs> like and like it's like very serious like i love it mm-hmm. like i i love that you found this approach and i know that it hasn't been your approach always but i i love how like i got really inspired about like talking with you about this stuff and also like because we also do some of those things together like yeah i don't know i <laughs> i i think that it like Yes, we all should take self-care really seriously. Yeah, I feel like I and have like, a lot of learn, lot to learn from you, Xenia. <laughs> and we need to talk more about self-care too. <laughs> yeah. I'm always open for self-care. <laughs> yeah, but I'm also like really happy for you that you like found this place like that. Um, yeah, because I like by knowing you for so long, I know that it's not like you. It's not also something like. You've not, you haven't been like this always, but you found this and like, it's so, I mean, I, I hope it's okay that I'm like <laughs> telling this. Yes, that, like, it's yes. okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, I'm so happy also for you that like, you you found this place to where you take self-care so seriously and also like, and we are inspired also like by that. Yeah. Thank you. I, I also think it's really important that, because like also like I probably sound like I'm I I've, I I figured it out. I mean I, I haven't figured it out. I figured out some of it, and of course there are days when I'm just like a wreck, a total wreck, and I still have uh, habits that from uh, f- from earlier when I just self-loathe and I punish myself and I'm like I'm lazy. I'm not creative enough. Nobody loves me. I do that because. I think that's very mm-hmm. human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think the true self-care is like for me is when I say like okay, yeah. You you just you you can do that. It's okay. It doesn't mean that you can do that that you will be this way forever. Like in an hour or so you take a shower <laughs> and you move on and you start enjoying things again. Yeah, that's really yeah. beautiful. Yeah, I think that's also really important that like even if uh, like you hear from someone who gives you advice or something and it sounds amazing, like it's still like for everyone it's a process. Nobody has arrived to the perfect like now I'm taking care of myself and I'm all good and everything is perfect. Like it's never like this. Like we all struggle sometimes and feel better sometimes, but it's so it's like it's a learning uh, experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think if I 
if I would want to share like something, it's not maybe anything like any super practical thing either, but I feel like, yeah, like just taking time for myself to not kind of do anything very much, but kind of like, for example, because I was, yeah, I don't know. I love it when I get to also like play. And I think I've talked about this maybe on the podcast, I don't remember, but I'm like a very playful person and I kind of like you were talking earlier, Xenia, about like approaching this creative process with this kind of curiosity and playfulness. Like I like that for me feels very like I'm connecting to something within myself that I don't like get to connect with like often enough, I think. And sometimes for me, for example, it's easier to do when I'm like not in my home like so when I go out in the forest for example I can find like I don't know like pine cones or something and I just I don't know I play with them or like I I like to hug trees or rocks <laughs> things like that I don't know <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> yeah I yeah, love it me too but it's something that also like because as a child I used to do that but then it took me a like a lot of time to kind of find back into that and not be embarrassed and just kind of do what I actually want to do. Even though, like, in the forest, there's not anyone to... You know, no one's going to judge me in the forest, but still. I, I, I was going to judge me before, but now I don't. So mm-hmm. I think I don't really do many of those, I don't know, self-care practices. Like, oh, put on a face mask or go to a bath. I mean, if I had a bathtub, I would take a million baths. I think that would be, like, my number one thing. But I think it's just, yeah, kind of more about those moments of kind of being, yeah, like being present and not like self-censoring what you kind of feel like or want to do. Yeah. That's so true. Mm. Yeah, I think so too. That like, I mean, a lot of these, like the regular thing you expect to hear about like self-care practices, a lot of them are great Mm. and work for a lot of people but I think it's more like it's more important because again it feels that sometimes when we uh, think about self-care we still think about how to do it correctly Mm. and that is like completely opposite to what health like to what self-care should be like it's it's something you do for yourself so it needs to be something that makes you feel good and makes you like rest or feel like yourself or like or also it depends on like what you what is your everyday life that you need rest from so if it's if like you're in your everyday life you get really tired from not like being yourself because you need to put so much energy into presenting a certain way then maybe your self-care needs to be something where you feel extremely like yourself Mm. like something that the most makes you feel and then of course if you get physically tired then of course it needs to be something that gets you relaxed and like physically uh, like rejuvenated or whatever and it's like so it depends also on what it is that takes energy from you and then and then you need to find something that restores your energy so I guess it's like in that way also it's like so personal that's so good that's like (laughs) that makes so much sense I don't think I've really thought of it that way but I thought yeah yeah I I haven't either but like now that we kind of talk about it in a more general sense I I kind of start thinking about it that it's like so personal to everyone and so I think it's like while it's like nice to hear what 
everybody does or then like join someone in their self-care routines or whatever like i think it's really like good to maybe look inside and kind of or like try things and see Mm. what helps you but yeah for me it's also like getting into the nature is like a huge thing because that's what because what stresses me out is like being like present in everything all the time like like answering messages and like I need something to do with this person and something to do with this person and we have like all of this and also with social media I I get like really addicted and I need to check everything all the time and to know what's happening so for me it's like if I'm in the nature I usually forget all of that and I don't care about anything because I want to see everything that's around me and and I want to take pictures and that's like (laughs) that like and and also like whatever it is that switches me off from all of that is like uh, like very important but also yeah for me it's also like uh, taking care of my body Mm. is like very important so and that is whatever it is like physical exercise or sauna or yeah or just lying down or getting a (laughs) massage from my partner or or getting a massage from my shower because in my new apartment our shower head has this massage (laughs) function (laughs) i've been yes i've been getting giving myself back massages in the shower all the time and that's like amazing for me because in my work my like both my day job and like doing tattoos it like hurts my back a bit so that like really helps so it's like it's um yeah it's all the things i'm tired from is what i need to recover from wow that's perfect that's very like profound <laughs> yeah i think that's yeah i'm 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 really happy with our answers to yeah. this question Good job, <laughs> yeah but yeah thank you xenia so much for coming to our podcast Thank you for having me and I'm I'm really glad to speak yeah. <laughs> with you and everyone who's going to listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I hope we like all share something. Today we like think three of us shared something really personal as well. And I hope it goes forward. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, I definitely feel like very inspired. And also I just, but not like just creatively, just like life, <laughs> like just like in life. <laughs> like I, I feel like I, yeah, like we talk, I don't know. I have this kind of like what is valuable and what I want more of in my life. So I think I, I need to think about that yeah maybe i need to re-listen to this also (laughs) yes but yeah okay well this was a beautiful therapy session exactly that's what i (laughs) (laughs) for all of us and and hopefully for our listeners too and yeah thank you everyone for listening and oh yeah how are the drawings yeah i finished some time ago this week i was really fast (laughs) yeah yeah, I finished also like the one I was working on quite quickly, and then I started drawing some cats. <laughs> yes. Oh. I'm also very happy because I also finished a, a, a pencil drawing and sketch, and it doesn't happen every time with me, so I'm really happy you guys inspired me so oh, much. Okay, glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, we'll post all of these... Uh, on our Instagram and also if you're 
listening to this on a YouTube, there, there in the end of the video, there's going to be a frame with, <laughs> with all of these drawings so you can see them. Yes. And if you drew with us, please share your drawings also. And please share uh, also like what you thought, like if, if this episode uh, sparked some thoughts in you, also please share and let's chat more in, I guess, in Instagram comments. Yeah, is the... yeah definitely curious to yes. hear. Yes, and Xenia, do you want to share where people can find you? Uh, yes, absolutely. I, I think y you will just tag me on Instagram and that leads to my profile. And there are some works of mine and drawings of mine, but hopefully, very soon, <laughs> I'll start sharing more. Perfect. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, yeah, the link will be in the video description and also in the podcast show notes, like if you're listening on a podcast app. So please subscribe to Xenia and follow her work because she's amazing. She is. Thank you so much for listening Thank to you. our episode this week and see you next week. Bye. Yes, see you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Drawing Club podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Drawing Club Podcast or email us at drawingclubpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me, Mia, on Instagram at mia.minerva and on YouTube as Mia Minerva. Sasha, where can we find you? I'm on Instagram at Sasha underscore Kretova. This podcast was created by us, Mia Minerva and Sasha Kretova. Olli Arni created the theme song and assisted with the recording, and Dmitri Zerbin took care of audio mastering. Welcome to the club, friends. <laughs>